Well, good morning. How is everyone? Staying warm, I hope. I want to thank you for joining us this morning at Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I want to welcome all of you who are here, but I also want to just take a quick second to welcome all of those who are joining us online. I know that we have several families uh, who are experiencing sickness or recovering from uh, surgery. We have several who I know couldn't make it because of the weather this morning. And then we have some who just um, in this season of life are choosing for the safety of uh, their and, and comfort of their own family to join us online. And so for those of you who are joining us online, I uh, just want you to know that we miss you. We haven't forgotten about you and we look forward to um, having our entire church family all back together again one day. Uh, now, just as Cameron said a minute ago, we did not make a uh, a mistake. We didn't forget the kids' Bible story video. We pushed uh, that to a different spot within uh, our service today, so we're going to show that in just a moment. But as we get started uh, with our series, Dual Citizen, um, or get started with our sermon this morning in the series, Dual Citizen, you know, we have been talking about what it means for us to be not only citizens of this world, of this planet, but citizens of this country but citizens of this country in light of our citizenship in heaven. Our key verse for this series has been Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We challenged everyone at the first week of this series uh, to work on memorizing this verse. And so I hope that you have been working on it. If you're in uh, my e-group, the one that meets on Wednesday nights, we've actually been checking in on each other and asking, hey, how are you doing? Are you memorizing it? Uh, and so if you're not a part of an e-group, I encourage you to, to find one. E-groups make it possible for us to dive deeper into relationships with one another that are really hard to, to, to accomplish on just an average Sunday morning when we come in, sit down, uh, listen, participate, and then we leave, especially in a season like this where we're socially distanced and we're wearing masks and it makes it even harder to connect. Uh, e-groups provide that great atmosphere for connection and for helping one another grow. And one of the things we do is we hold one another accountable. And so in my e-group, we've been challenging each other to memorize this verse as we think about how our citizenship affects, our citizenship in heaven affects our citizenship here on earth and in this country. Now, as we get started this morning, I just want to start with a question. Uh, and, and my question is, have you ever had such high expectations for something that when you actually got to experience it, it was a little bit of a letdown? Now, if we were in an e-group, uh, I would actually ask that question and challenge the people in the e-group to think about it and answer it. Now, we're not in that format this morning where we will shout out answers or anything like that, but I want you to think about it for just a minute. Um, is there anything in your life that you ever had a great amount of expectations built up for? Something that you were so hopeful for that when you actually experienced it, it wasn't exactly what you were expecting? And it could also happen in a good way, maybe something you were dreading that actually turned out to be better than you had imagined or planned for. Um, that would be a great, uh, great kind of thought of, of what uh, my experience was with Disney World with my family uh, almost this time last year. Now, I, I knew Disney World was going to be good, but I, I wasn't necessarily like crazy excited about it. I mean, right, like it's... I don't know, it just sounded like a lot of work and a lot of money and a lot of walking and a lot of waiting. Um, 
But we went, and it actually was a lot of fun. I knew the kids would have fun. I mean, of course, it's Disney World. Um, but even for Elena and I, how fun it was and just the whole experience. And so that was one of those instances where I didn't have really high expectations or hopes, but was pleasantly surprised. And then I know sometimes we all experience the opposite of maybe it was uh, going to college or maybe it was your career path or um, starting a business or moving to a new state or buying a home or something that you were really excited about and it turned out not to quite match up with what you were hoping for. Because when our expectations are off base, when our expectations aren't met, it can actually cause a lot of disappointment, frustration, and difficulty. When Elena and I lead couples through premarital counseling before I officiate their weddings, um, that's what we spend almost all of our time and attention on is expectations. Walking into marriage with appropriate expectations of how life is actually going to work and, and how the two of you, the, this new couple, are going to function together. Because when we're all preparing to get married, we're just idealists, right? Well, we're just in, so in love that it's obvious we're just, everything's going to work out. And the dishes will just magically get done. And no, who needs to worry about laundry and changing the oil in the cars? And who cares about paying bills and keeping tracks of spreadsheets? We're just so in love that those things will just take care of themselves, right? And anyone who has ever been in a long-term committed relationship or married, you know that's absurd, Like. Yes, I hope you are madly in love, but someone still has to run the spreadsheets, right? Someone still has to pay bills. Uh, someone still has got to do laundry. Uh, those things have to happen. And so leading into marriage, we want to walk into it with healthy expectations of how life will actually work so that we're set up for success and so that you do get to spend more of your time and attention focusing on your love and not on fighting about silly things. And so kind of what we're talking about this morning is about expectations, about what we expect of this world, and specifically what we expect God to do in this world. And so with that, I want us to transition to our kids' Bible story, because it's probably going to do a more effective job of telling the story this morning than I will. One day, Jesus went out and sat by the sea. Large crowds of people gathered around him, so he got into a boat and sat down. All the people stood on the shore. Then Jesus told the people parables or stories to teach them about the kingdom of God. Jesus' disciples asked him, Why do you teach in parables? Jesus answered, not everyone will understand the hidden truths about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus reminded them about some of the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Some people look, but they do not see. Hmm. They hear, but they do not listen or understand. Oh. Jesus made these prophecies come true. Jesus said, you are blessed because you do understand. Jesus told a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man planted in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it grows taller than the garden plants. It becomes a tree and the birds come and build nests in the branches. Jesus continued, 
The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast that a woman mixed into 50 pounds of flour. The leaven makes the dough rise. Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found. He reburied it and then he joyfully sold everything he had and bought that field. Then Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. When Jesus finished teaching the crowds, he left that place and went to Nazareth. The kingdom of God is growing in the world. The kingdom is valuable and worth giving everything for. While we wait for Jesus to return and fully set up his kingdom, we carry out the mission of telling others about King Jesus who rescues sinners. So in this story, we've been exploring the kingdom of God together. And and when we say kingdom, we mean it like this, the rule and the reign of God. And we've been talking about it on three different fronts, the rule and reign of God in this world, the rule and reign of God in our Christian community, and the rule and reign of God in our own hearts. And Jesus came teaching and preaching about the kingdom. As a matter of fact, that is the central message that Jesus taught on throughout his entire ministry. It's it's almost the primary focus of everything Jesus does and teaches um, as the Gospel of Matthew lays out. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a handful of parables to teach us what the kingdom of God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like, and how it manifests itself um, both presently and in the future in our world, in our Christian community, and in our hearts and in our lives. And so we have in this series, Dual Citizen, and talking about how we are both citizens of this world, but ultimately citizens of heaven. How, how the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in our hearts, in our communities, and in our world impact the way we live here. How we live in this world, how we live as citizens of the United States, and allowing it to speak and transform each of us. And so in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells these series of parables. And as we saw from our children's uh, Bible story this morning, um, those were the very parables, at least some of them, that we're going to cover this morning that Jesus uses to illustrate what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. And so we're going to look at the first one together in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. The, The parables we're looking at today are really short and really simple and he, that's Jesus, put, it an- put another parable before them. We've already seen a handful of parables in our study to this point. And Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And then as sort of a tag to that, Jesus actually tells two parables back to back, which is a pretty common teaching technique um, actually in the ancient world. And so he tells them another one right away. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. 
Now, what is Jesus trying to communicate in these parables? Why is Jesus trying to share and tell us these parables? Well, Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of God and how we understand and experience it in our lives. Last week, we looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, where a farmer planted all his field uh, with wheat. And then an enemy came and planted weeds among it to mess up with his harvest. And Jesus says, one day they'll all grow up, we'll plow everything, and then we'll separate the good from the bad. We'll separate the weeds from the wheat. He told another parable of, of a fisherman who cast out his net, and he catches all kinds of fish. Some good fish, some bad fish. But what he does is he drags his net to the shore, and then once he's on shore, then he separates it, the good fish from the bad fish. And Jesus is telling those parables to help us understand how if God's kingdom is really here on earth, then why are things still so bad? If God's kingdom is really here, why isn't everything fixed? And Jesus is trying to say, listen, you've got to be patient. One day, the good will be separated from the bad. In the Bible, in the New Testament, this idea of harvesting things always carries with it the imagery of the end times. That's how it's used throughout the Bible. And Jesus says one, time, one day the harvest will come, the end of time will come, and then we'll take care of everything. The good will be separated from the bad. And here Jesus is telling parables to help people understand, okay, if the kingdom of God is really here, then why don't I see it like I expect it? Because you see, Jesus' audience had expectations. Just like we illustrated before, expectations can be helpful if they're appropriate. But when we walk into a situation or a circumstance or a career or a new life phase with, with unhealthy expectations, it sets us up for failure. And Jesus' audience had expectations of what the kingdom of God would look like. While Jesus came teaching about the kingdom of God, and he came teaching about the kingdom of heaven, and it was a primary focus for his ministry, Jesus was not the first one to teach about it. Jesus wasn't the first one to talk about it. The Jews had been talking about and thinking about and waiting for and expecting the kingdom for many centuries, many, many generations. They had expectations of what they thought the kingdom of God was going to look like. And in their minds, the kingdom of God was going to be a geopolitical reality. That one day, God was going to rule and reign in the hearts of people. He was going to rule and reign in the community of his people. God was going to rule and reign in this world through a geopolitical unity uh, unit. The Jews thought that one, na- one day, the nation of Israel would rise up. That they would get rid of all foreign influence. All the influence that came from Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. All the influence from the Roman Empire which currently occupied their territory and controlled them. One day, the kingdom was coming. And it was going to be a physical kingdom, just like every other kingdom on earth. It was going to be a kingdom that that would have a throne and a palace. That all of the foreign enemies and influences would be banished. And God alone would dwell with his people in their own property, in their own land. That's what they expected. And they expected that through this, all the nations of the world would be impacted. Let me read you from something from a prophet from the Old Testament. 
a prophet that existed about, about 500 years before Jesus walked this earth, who talked about God's coming kingdom one day. And this prophet, prophet named Ezekiel, used parables just like Jesus did. He used parables to communicate to God's people, hey, one day God's kingdom is coming, and this is what, it, this is what it'll be like. And so in Ezekiel chapter 17, um, Ezekiel's actually speaking on behalf of God as a prophet to the people. He's teaching, he's telling them a parable, and he's teaching them what it's going to be like when God begins to establish his kingdom. And he says this in Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 23, speaking of Israel, the group of people, God's chosen people from the Old Testament, It says, on the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it, speaking about his rule and reign, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar, and under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. Sound familiar? Let's go back to looking at the parable Jesus told Towards the end here, but when it has grown larger than all the garden plants, it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make their nest in its branches. Jesus is making a direct connection from the promise and the expectation of the Old Testament to his ministry, to his teaching, to the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was trying to, to, to inaugurate and bring about and to teach about and prepare his followers for. This is what everyone had been expecting and hoping. One day our people will be like this great tree in the midst of a field where others can come and find rest and shade. This idea is actually carried further in in, in other places in the Old Testament. We won't read them all today, but, but there are other places in Ezekiel and in the prophet Daniel and even in Psalms like Psalm 104, where the same idea is generated that one day God will establish his kingdom like a tree that provides a home and safety and comfort for others. But here's where Jesus was trying to challenge expectations. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're hoping for, but I want you to to remember something. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. In the second parable he tells about this woman who takes some leaven, mixes it in with other flour. But what Jesus says is that she hides it. That this leaven, much like this tiny seed, it's been hidden. And as without you even knowing it, behind the scenes, it's growing. It may not look like what you expected it to look like. It's going to grow in ways that you weren't anticipating it to grow. But I promise you, while the kingdom of heaven is hard to see now, it's growing. While it may not be represented in its fullest expression today, 
It's growing. Just like yeast or leaven is growing throughout the dough and you don't notice it, I promise the kingdom of heaven is growing. Because the kingdom's identity is ultimately tied to its destiny. That we can't define the kingdom just by what we see and experience in the here and now always. But by keeping our minds and our eyes on what God has promised to do and is doing in and through his kingdom. Our key verse for this whole series, Philippians 3.20, we looked at it just a moment ago. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you look at verse 21... But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The reality is that the kingdom, as it grows in us, as it grows in our community, is that we keep our eyes not just on what we see and experience today, but on what we know is coming in the future. That even though sometimes we look around and it looks like the kingdom of God is so small. Even at times that we look around and it feels like it's even insignificant in the grand scheme of things. When we see the trouble and the frustration and the disunity in our country and in our world. And we wonder, where's the kingdom of God? Why don't I see it? Why don't I experience it? Jesus says, just because it's small doesn't mean it's not growing. Doesn't mean it's not taking its place. Does not mean that it's not becoming more and more influential. So that one day, like the leaven, like that dough, the kingdom of God will be spread throughout. And so here's a question I want you to think about as we close. How is the kingdom of God growing? By what means is the kingdom of God growing in our world? The answer to that is in you and I. You and I are the avenues of the kingdom of God in this world. As individuals, as ambassadors of the kingdom, and as a community, the place where God's rule and reign actually dwell on this world. In our community, as we allow God to rule and reign, we are the kingdom. The kingdom of God will grow through us. God is using us as those little seeds. God is using us as that yeast growing throughout the dough. God is using us as individuals in our community to grow the kingdom of God, which here's what that means. That means it is not a politician's job to bring about God's will. It is not a political party's job to bring about God's will. That's your job. That's my job. That's our job. 
Just like Kyle mentioned earlier, we don't put our hope in an individual. We don't put our hope in a platform. We don't put our hope in a party. Not that we shouldn't care. Not that we shouldn't be involved. Not that there are ways in which leaders and parties and organizations and institutions can't make a good difference, but that ultimately we do not rely on others to bring about God's will in this world. God has put that in and on us. God's will, his kingdom is going to grow and manifest in this world through us. And so rather than looking out for the kingdom, maybe we should start looking in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning, as we reflect on all that we see and experience in this world and in our country and in these days, sometimes it's, um, it's easy to get disheartened or discouraged. Sometimes it does feel like your kingdom is so small in the grand scheme of things. Because the loudest voices and the biggest messages that we see are not about your kingdom. It's about an individual's rule and reign. It's about a party's rule and reign. God, I pray that you would help us to start looking for the rule and reign of God in our hearts. That we'd start looking for the rule and reign, your rule and reign in our community. That we would be the manifestation of your community. That your will for, for this world would begin to, to be evident in and through our lives. That your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your truth, your justice, your righteousness would be extended to the world through our lives. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment, please. And as we close this morning, we have a time to respond, a time to celebrate, a time to focus on the reality of of Jesus ruling and reigning in our hearts. And the reality is that for us, that's a, a daily process. God ruling and reigning in our hearts is not something that we decide to be true today and then we don't ever have to worry about it. It's something that God continually works in us. And when we come together on a Sunday morning, it provides us that opportunity for sort of a refresher, a reminder of God's rule and reign, an opportunity to ask for it once again, a chance to sing and to celebrate it, a chance to declare it over our lives and in our community. And it's an opportunity for us to not just do it on an individual level, but for our community. The community that's supposed to represent and manifest God's rule and reign to unite together as one voice as we sing it and declare it. That's our invitation to you, that with one voice we would sing it and declare it over our lives and over our community. 
that united by our citizenship of in heaven we would come together to bring about God's will in this world I want to say one more quick word of prayer Kyle's going to lead us and I'm going to ask right now where you are as I close in prayer would you stand and we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate in one united voice so if you'll stand right now I'm going to pray and Kyle will continue to lead us Lord Jesus thank you we come before you as your community as those who bear your image and those who bring about your will and your rule and your reign in this world would you be honored by all that we say thank do as we come together united in one voice to declare you as king the king of our lives the king of our communities the king of this world